But I do think that, that one of the things I've felt very deeply as we ride is that adventure is really important to, to me and to us. Um, so there will be another one. What it is, I don't know. I think the other thing is, I mean, I, I have some of the same feelings Deb does. It really, you know, this small group we've been traveling with really has become like family. And and it's going to be sad when it ends um, and we're no longer together. Welcome to the Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. An uncommon group of bicyclists is on the last leg of a 4,300-mile journey across America. They are survivors of strokes and other brain injuries, as well as people who struggle with aphasia, a life-altering language disorder that affects about 30% of people who have strokes. The group calls itself Stroke Across America, and they are riding to raise awareness about strokes and aphasia and to call attention to the importance of emotional recovery after a stroke. The group is led by the husband-wife team Deb Meyerson and Steve Zuckerman of Portola Valley, California. Deb is a stroke survivor, and Steve is a nonprofit executive. Steve is a childhood friend of mine, and he's the cousin of Vermont former lieutenant governor and current candidate for lieutenant governor David Zuckerman. Deb, Steve, and rider Whitney Hardy spoke to me after a day of riding in western New York. I began by asking Steve to tell me the story behind Stroke Across America. Uh, my wife, Deb Meyerson, who's, who's with us here, um, was a professor at Stanford and about 12 years ago had a very severe stroke. Um, among other disabilities she lives with, she lives with aphasia, which is a communication disability. Um, it, it affects speech uh, and language, but not intellect. Um, but her speech was challenging enough that it forced her out of her role as a professor. And for five years, she, with help from the family, wrote a book called Identity Theft, Rediscovering Ourselves After Stroke, which really was a five-year process of us really understanding just how important identity is in the recovery process and rebuilding identity in the path to rebuilding a rewarding life. Um, Deb had done a lot of work around identity um, in her role as a, as a gender scholar. Um, and, and so we ended up founding a nonprofit called Stroke Onward to really do that work of um, helping healthcare realize that in addition to rehabilitation after a stroke, this issue of an emotional journey is critically important. For us, one of the ways that we've really continued to live uh, a life we enjoy is through cycling. Um, Deb could no longer ride a single bike, but we, after three different kinds of tandems, found one that worked really well for us. Um, and, and it's been a big part of our lives since, since Deb's stroke. And candidly, riding cross-country has been on my bucket list since I was 22. And as we were building Stroke Across America, or, sorry, as we were building Stroke Onward and trying to find ways to bring attention to the issues we cared about, we decided to uh, ride cross-country and use it as an awareness raiser. Um, and so that's what we're doing. Where are you right now? Where am I talking to you? I know this is a riding day and you are fresh off the road. 
Uh, well, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I can't tell you the name of the town we're in. We are one riding day about 55 miles east of uh, Niagara Falls, New York, along the Erie Canal. So we had a beautiful day riding a, a crushed limestone trail right along the Erie Canal. And that's, that is a famous uh, cross New York State Trail. Will you be riding that clear across New York? Uh, pretty much. I think that's going to be mostly our route um, all the way through Albany uh, until we then cross into western Massachusetts. Hmm. Um, well, let me turn to Deb Meyerson. Um, Deb, say a little bit about what this ride means for you. I imagine that 12 years ago, in the wake, the aftermath of your stroke, this probably seemed like an unimaginable effort. Uh, what has it been for you? Uh, really fun and really exhausting and um, uh, uh, exhilarating. It's really, I am really enjoying myself and frustrating. Well, tell me about both the high and the low of this. What has been exhilarating and what has been frustrating? The lows are the, the really cold and rainy, really rainy. Montana and uh, Washington and uh, Alming. Mm. Really, it's fine, uh, and uh, and I love it. I have seen Deb the bicycle um, that you and Steve ride. Describe uh, how this bicycle works, the position that you are in, and uh, how you're able to pedal. Steve is uh, uh, in. There's the uh, back, and I am in the front, and that my legs are really working hard. Yeah, I'll just add, David, Dave, David, for the listeners, it's unusual in that I'm in the back in a traditional upright bicycle position, whereas Deb's in the front in a recumbent bicycle position. So it's an unusual tandem and it works really well for us, both because Deb has what's called spasticity or a cramping in her right foot and leg that, that cramps less in that recumbent position than when we rode a traditional upright tandem. Um, and it also gives her a great view because she's in the front. So unlike a regular tandem, she's not looking at my back all the time. <laughs> well, let me turn to Whitney Hardy, uh, one of the riders in your group. Whitney, I understand that you were hit by a car in 2014 in Boston while running after work and suffered a life-threatening traumatic brain injury, or TBI. Talk about what happened to you, what your life has been like since that time, and, and why you decided to ride across the country. Start with like what happened, and basically, when I got hurt, there was nothing that I could have 
it was not expected and there was no preparation for recovery of anything like that. So then one day I was at work and going for a run afterwards. The next day, plus a very long time, I was a 24-hour hospital patient. And then kind of what my recovery has been like has just been over time transitioning from uninjured to starting a new life with a traumatic brain injury and trying to adapt my abilities and try to gain acceptance of what is my new normal. What is your new normal? <laughs> I'm still figuring it out. And actually this bike trip has kind of brought me to the awareness of trying to understand that. But, uh, I really enjoy doing athletic and getting kind of working out and being outside. And, and, uh, I live when I'm not on a cross country bike trip, I live in Lake Tahoe. Um, technically the town's called Truckee, California with my parents where I grew up. Um, and I work at a hardware store. That's kind of what the current normal is like. What are what are you able to do physically and what are you unable to do? I don't really have limitations on what I can do physically. I love to, as I grew up in the mountains, skiing, played soccer. Now I'm a bike rider. That's kind of a new, that's new for me, but all summer that's what I've been doing. So it's been really fun. Whitney, what does this ride mean for you in your life? Uh, I've been trying to actually think about that lately. And I think it's been, besides it being really fun and interesting to see our country from a different perspective of besides riding a car or being in a car, it's kind of accepting what is now is it's okay. And it's not a problem. It's just, the acceptance of being have like having to change and adapt to the new possibilities. It occurs to me that Whitney, that um, you are going to be ending this journey where it began. Your injury occurred in Boston. This trip will be ending in Boston on August twenty seventh. What is that? full circle journey mean to you? What is it going to mean to you to arrive back in Boston? It's going to be really emotional and in a good way, but kind of going back to where my second life started and thanking all those who helped me at the beginning and kind of saying or proving kind of a never give up and there's hope and motivate others who have unexpected accidents because it's kind of it's like it was the end of life number one and kind of the very beginning of life number two what's the big what's the difference between those two lives um, what are your ongoing issues from your tbi the biggest one would be short-term memory loss and and how short term is your memory? It's more like it's very if somebody says, Hey, like 
that seems not important. Like we're going to go out to dinner in two days at this place and I don't write it down. I wouldn't be able to remember. It's super detailed like that. Right. Um, versus long-term memory, like what things were like in college that hasn't necessarily been an issue for me, which is lucky. What have you found as a, as a workaround? How have you adapted? What tricks do you use to account for your memory challenges? Um, so I use my iPhone for kind of a backup for everything from events to trying to remember to write things down that people tell me that I need to remember ideas, also calendars in my phone. So it's kind of, my iPhone is kind of like my secondary companion with memory. Right. Steve, I want to come back to something that you mentioned right at the beginning, and I know it's been a big part of Stroke Across America, and that is talking about the emotional journey of recovery. Explain what you mean by that and, and why you feel like that hasn't gotten nearly the attention that it deserves. Um, so, you know, we use the emotional journey as kind of a catch-all for, you know, it's not the critical care of making sure someone who's had a stroke or a TBI survives um, all the interventions you can do to minimize damage and then the rehabilitation therapy that helps you regain as much as possible. All of that is critically important. But then millions and millions of people have different capabilities than they used to have. And, and that's traumatic. And that requires an adjustment. And that requires an emotional journey to figure out what to do with all of that. Um, and, and for us, a big part of that is identity. It's figuring out who are you and who do you want to be? Just as Whitney was just talking about, she can't hold the kind of job she held before her accident because of her memory and processing issues. So, how does she think about herself? How does she think about her employability and her ability to live independently without the help of a family member? And, and that's, that's the journey we're talking about. One of the things we found working in the stroke field is, you know, unlike when someone loses a loved one, very often the first thing anybody will say is, well, have you seen a grief counselor? There's sort of an immediate, immediate recognition that you need emotional support. In the stroke care system, that's either non-existent or very much in the background. And one of our hypotheses is that stroke really grew up in the medical system in the traumatic medical care model, that somebody has a stroke, they get brought to the hospital, they need traumatic care, urgent care. Um, but the reality is that for survivors, and the good news is more and more people are surviving stroke, it becomes a chronic condition. And yet the system doesn't necessarily offer up a lot of the resources that it offers up for other kinds of chronic conditions. And so that's really a big part of our work is trying to understand 
What are those resources? How can mental health professionals be more helpful to stroke survivors than maybe is being used in the system today? Um, and, and what can we do to try to catalyze change to make resources like that more readily available uh, to survivors of, of things like stroke and traumatic brain injury? What has the emotional journey of recovery been like for you and Deb? I mean, it's, it's been a tough journey, and, you know, we often say it's a journey that will never end um, because, you know, we, we say all the time, and Deb said in the book, look forward, not back. It's, you know, sort of simple advice but hard to do. Um, and we, we recently wrote an article about the fact that you never – you want to get beyond – the change in your life, the loss of capabilities, the, the disabilities you have. But it's not that you ever get you ever get past it or you ever get over it. You're never going to stop having moments where you say, ah, I just wish it was like it used to be. So it's a never ending process to be able to deal with those. We call them cycles of grief. For us, it's, it's been a journey to figure out ways to adapt life, to make life work well for both of us in the face of Deb's disabilities. And that's in recreation. How do we continue to cycle? How do we hike? How do we ski? How do we do it together? How do we do it separately and professionally? Um, you know, I think the, the creation of Stroke Onward was very much about, you know, Deb identifying that having lost her role as a tenured professor, trying to get at what's, what really did she care about in that role? And that was creating and sharing knowledge. Well, maybe we can do that in a different way in the stroke system through a nonprofit. And so the, the formation of Stroke Onward is a way for us to together have purposeful work in a way that works for Deb with her current capabilities. Let me ask Whitney, in the course of your 4,000 mile plus journey across the country, is there one person, one interaction that is especially meaningful to you that, uh, that stands out? Yeah, there was this one gentleman and I don't remember, I think it was more, it was a long time ago now. I think we were close to Boulder. Um, and he was going, in the opposite direction. So he was biking west and we were biking east and we all had to take shelter because we were in a brain was hitting and he ended up kind of needing our help because he needed some water. And so it was easy for us to get him what he needed. And it was just kind of a, it was a fun interaction because finding somebody else doing similar activities that we are but more on his own and more independent and he is also a stroke or brain injury survivor i don't know he didn't mention that so mm. he was just on his own on an adventure well let me uh turn to deb uh you're almost at the end of this remarkable journey across america and it's been a journey in so many ways for you. What's it going to mean to you to dip your 
spike tight wheel uh, into the Atlantic Ocean when you get to, uh, it sounds like uh, you'll be officially ending in Revere Beach. Is that what I? Yeah. What's yeah. that going to mean yeah. to you, Deb? Steve and I are going back. <laughs> that's, that's news to me. We're, we're riding back to California. No, I, I really a sad day. Because you've been enjoying the journey. Yeah, it's a really sad day. Hmm. Steve, what's it going to mean to you to finish this ride? It means I get to start planning the next adventure. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Do you know I, what that's going to be? Uh, well, Deb just said it's going to be riding back, but I don't think we're going to do that. Um, no, I think no. The short answer is no, I don't. Um, but I do think that that one of the things I've felt very deeply as we ride is that adventure is really important to to me and to us. Um, so there will be another one. What it is, I don't know. I think the other thing is, I mean, I, I have some of the same feelings Deb does. It really, you know, this small group we've been traveling with really has become like family. And and it's going to be sad when it ends um, and we're no longer together. And so, um, but but I think the other, you know, the other thing for me is is the the kind of the therefore what. I think we've done a lot with the trip while we've been on it. Uh, but I've also been thinking a lot about how do we use this incredible trip and how do we build on it in order to advance our mission of, of sort of healthcare system change to provide better support to survivors and their families. And so we're, and, and that might involve future adventures, but also, you know, just, just how do we take what in some ways is a metaphor, this metaphor of cycling, which for us is an adaptive activity that enables us to continue to live the kind of life we want to live when on the surface we could no longer ride together. Um, how do we continue to use that for good? Uh, so I think, I think that's what, that's what the wheel, the wheel dip will put that, that next, next phase in motion. All right. Well, I want to thank all three of you, Whitney Hardy, Deb Myerson, and Steve Zuckerman. Thanks so much for sharing your journey on the Vermont Conversation. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.